Honoring our parents is the logical starting point for directing human life toward the other who is not God. Our parents are our first neighbors. This commandment has a reach beyond our biological parents that includes, as the Westminster Confession of Faith states, all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as, by God's ordinance, are over us in place of authority, whether in family, church, or commonwealth. At issue is how do we honor and how do we live this commandment, especially when our biological parents may have hurt or abandoned us. Stay tuned for this challenging discussion. Welcome to the Full Dig Podcast. I'm Kirk Sexton, your host, and with me is my good friend and colleague, Bruce Johnson. Good to be with you, Kirk, and we are back in Arizona this week. Yes, I was thinking when we were coming in today that we would be in our old digs. Our old digs for the Full Dig Podcast. Our, our normal digs for our Full Dig Podcast. We had the Fifth Commandment now. Uh, this is Episode 5, the Fifth Commandment which is to honor our father and our mother, or our mother and our father. Yes, and as we talked about in our last podcast, this is where we make the transition. Commandments 1 through 4 are all about our relationship with God, and commandments 5 through 10 are all about our relationship with other people. And we start with the primary relationship, or our first relationship, which is to our parents. And our first neighbors. Yes. So our first opportunity to practice this ethic of honoring our mother and father and then having its, its impact in our relationships with our neighbor. And as Pastor Lynn talked about in her sermon, she began with the Deuteronomy passage, Deuteronomy mm -hmm. chapter 5. And uh, today I thought we'd start with the shorter version of the fifth commandment, which is in the Exodus version. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. And when Moses delivered that same commandment to a new generation, he added a couple half sentences and lengthened it a bit. Mm -hmm. um, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, it is, Honor your father and mother. And then he adds, As the Lord your God has commanded you, Remember, this is not the generation that first heard the Ten Commandments. This is the new generation. So he's just reminding them, you know, that the, this isn't my concept. This has come from God. This is a commandment of God. Mm -hmm. And then he says, so that you may live long. And then he adds, and that it may go well with you mm -hmm. in the land that the Lord your God has given you. In other words, it's not just so you have a long life, but you have a, a quality of life. And Lynn said that it was 40 years. They're about to cross over into the land that the Lord is giving them. So Exactly, mm. exactly. So it, it raised the question, what do we mean by honor? And Pastor Lynn, I thought, did a good job talking about the Hebrew word kabed, which means, to, uh, basic meaning is to be heavy. Mm. And we see that used in that sense several times in the book of Genesis. We have, when it talks about the patriarch Abram, later renamed Abraham, that he was rich in cattle, the word is uh, kabed there, so mm. he's heavy in cattle. He's heavy in cattle. Uh, he has a lot of cattle. He's rich in cattle. Mm -hmm. And it's used of the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah about their sins. Their sins are heavy or, mm. or grave in that sense. Mm -hmm. 
and later in the book of Exodus, it's used in terms of Pharaoh's heart growing heavy. Mm. And we usually translate that as his heart was hardened to God's message through Moses and Aaron. Um, but most often it's used in the sense of to honor. Mm. And we can look in how uh, that word, Hebrew word, was translated into Greek, which is the language of the New Testament. And the verb that's used for that is tamao, which means honor, but it can also be used in a negative sense, uh, that is to estimate the amount of punishment due to criminals hmm. or to award that penalty. And so both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, there is a positive and a negative way you could think of honor. Yeah, but in your notes here, it says that the negative way was not used in the Greek. In the, in the Greek New, Testament, New Testament. In the Greek yeah. New Testament, right? Mm -hmm. It's not used in that way of uh, punishment. But, but just that thought of you know, positive and negative reminded me of the fact that we've all had different experiences with our parents. Mm. Some of us have had very positive experiences. Some of us have had uh, negative experiences. And that makes this commandment difficult to talk through mm -hmm. and uh, uh, to work on. I thought Pastor Lynn did a nice job on that. It was the elephant in the room, right? Yes, and uh, we, we need to think about that, particularly as we are encouraging one another to follow God's way of life, you know, God's commands. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a difficult thing. What happens if uh, you've had a bad relationship with one or both parents? What does it mean to honor your parents uh, in that context? Uh, sometimes you honor your parents by forgiving them what they've done or forgiving them for being imperfect. Uh, my parents, um, they were good parents. You know, they, they taught me right from wrong. They supported me in many ways. Uh, neither one of them were perfect. Mm -hmm. They would have been the first to admit that. But I had a much better experience with my mom and my dad than uh, some of my friends did. Mm. Yes. I, I noticed in, in our own relationships with our family being that there was seven years difference between my nearest brother, my this brother number two, the right. oldest brother, and then Mark, uh, my brother Mark, and then me, uh, they had very different sort of relationships with mom and dad because of uh, just what transcribed in the family. There was a divorce, mm -hmm. and uh, so there was, there was just a, it was, my dynamic was just very different than theirs. And my parents were busy with jobs and careers, and so I was a bit of a, a latchkey kid. And so I had the, I guess, good fortune to adopt many other parents, other families, and uh, they, they became a lot of times mother and father to me. Right. I grew up in a family where we never knew how many people were going to be at the dinner table because my friends and I were bringing over our friends, you know, for dinner uh, different days of the week um, because there was that sense of everybody's welcome. Uh, and then after I was growing up, then my parents uh, were divorced and I had step parents. And then I had to start thinking about, well, how do you honor the commandment on your father and mother when you also have uh, a step? mother and a stepfather in my case. Right. And uh, what, what does that mean as an adult to honor my parents? What does it mean to honor my step parents? 
my mother-in-law made it clear to me now that my mom and dad are both dead and uh, she was the only one she's the only mother I have she says and uh, she's right so she, so she gets all the glory now well she she is my primary honoring relationship now that uh, my my stepmom and dad are my sort of closest parents if you will um, and so I need to uh, honor them as well I think what's important is uh, that this commandment, I think, has far-reaching implications beyond just the biological parents. Right. Um, um, we see that in the New Testament. They begin to, uh, in the epistles, particularly in the book of Romans, extend um, honor to a lot of people in different positions. I'm thinking here of Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 10, mm. it begins talking about people that are in the government, you know, people that have authority in that sense. Um, uh, what's a Christian perspective on that? So the Apostle Paul writing in the book of Romans says, uh, if you're doing what is right, you don't have to worry about the authorities. It's when you do something wrong that you should be worried about the civil authorities. And later on, he begins talking about uh, one must be subject not only because of wrath, a punishment that a civil authority could issue, but also because of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants, busy with this very thing, busy with doing what uh, God has uh, directed them to do. That's why they're, they're in the authority. Mm-hmm. And then he says, pay to all what is due them, taxes to whom taxes is due, revenue to whom revenue is due, Mm -hmm. respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. And then he gets into, owe no one anything except to love one another. For the love, the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, then he gives the commandments of that second part of the Ten Commandments, the parts of, of the Ten Commandments that talk about our relationships with other people. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any of the commandments is summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not wrong a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And the commandment that he does not mention at that point is honoring your father and your mother because he's just gone into that and expanded that to cover other people as well. Right. So really, God provides a lot of people in our lives who are agents, and they are like mother and father, needing respect. Um, We honor them, and we do it because of our love for God. So that is the, you know, Lynn talked about the hinge that this verse or this commandment was between the the first four and the rest of the Ten Commandments, right? It's a pivot. A pivot. We're using pivot a lot mm-hmm. in these post-COVID days. Right. David Gill, my uh, professor, yes, he wrote this in his book, uh, Doing Right, and he said, the basic grounding of the Fifth Commandment is in the fact that parents are God's primary agents and representatives to us. 
We honor them first of all, not because we feel love toward them or because they deserve it or because there is something in it for us personally, but because we love God. Just as we reach out and care for children or friends of someone we love or care about, so we care for our parents because we love God. That's that connection between those first four commandments. Right. And you were saying earlier, Kirk, about how there are other people in our lives that have some parental role from time to time. And uh, other Christians have wondered about if that's the meaning behind a verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, where mm-hmm. it says, Children, obey your parent in, parents in the Lord, for this is right. And there's been a lot of talk about what does it mean, parents in the Lord? Is that uh, um, a way that the writer is talking about not only our parents, our natural parents, but other people that take that parental role in our lives? Mm. Yeah. Yes, so David Gill says that the area principle, remember we've talked about that before, right. mm-hmm. he says that honor and care for those who are God's agents and representatives in our lives. So we have um, teachers, bosses, politicians possibly. Um, You know, I was thinking we were invited um, by someone in our church to come to their, they have a a day at their school for parents and grandparents. And we, I thought it was really good of this mother to invite us to come because we are, for her kids, like mother and fathers. We're not the biological parents, but we are teachers and have responsibility, and it is one of our responsibilities, as we do in our communion, or not our communion, but in our our baptism sort of liturgy, we we ask the congregation to, to make a vow to say that they will raise this child up to know Jesus. Right. And so we take on that responsibility, you know, and it's not just a biological responsibility either. No, it's a communion of faith that has a responsibility. Yes, and sometimes we have parents that are not fulfilling those responsibilities, right? In terms of religious instruction, certainly. Well, that and also let's just say a parent abandons another um, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, right? They're supposed to raise that child and provide for that child, and uh, and then they. Re- but if you're if you're not um, doing that, um, you know the question is how do we honor them? Um, if if we want to adhere closely uh, to this um, commandment, so um, I think that's what. A lot of people were thinking, you know, well, I might not have had that kind of relationship with my mother and my father. My my father might have had a lot of things, um, or mother and father might have had a number of things that, you know, maybe alcoholism or drug abuse. And then, sadly, there's sexual abuse too, right? So how yes. do I, you know, how do I wrestle with those things, you know? So we've been talking about um, situations where... We have different experiences with parents that enters into how we figure out how in the world are we going to uh, keep the commandment when we've had bad relationship with our parents. And we've talked about how uh, it's not just our uh, 
natural parents, our mother and fathers that we honor, but we honor other people in our lives mm -hmm. that have had uh, a part in our raising, our nurturing um, since we were little children. You know, they say that, you know, we have to have a driver's license to drive and we have to take a test. Um, there ought to be some kind of requirement for us to become parents, you know. There, there should be a law that says you need to have a license, you need to have some preparation, you can't just do it, but that's what happens oftentimes, right? And so my professor Gill made a point to say that um, being a sperm donor doesn't qualify you for honor as a father, yes, right? right. Uh, nor does the contribution of providing an egg in a womb qualify you as a mother, right? And yet you can take a child home from hospital uh, if you are the parents, as long as you have a uh, car seat, right? Yes. You don't, you don't have to take a parenting class, but you have to have a car seat. Right. Right. But there are those that have um, sort of not done what they should have done as this responsibility is theirs. Um, and, you know, those... That's a, that's a, I, th I really feel for people that didn't have, even ours, not perfect parents. Mine weren't perfect either. Yours weren't perfect. But we still had, you know, loving parents. We still had caring parents, parents that, you know, didn't, um, you know, abuse us. Um, and so, I mean, that's a really a difficult, I understand the difficulty with some people that have had terrible experiences. And so for those of us who have had um, better experiences with parents, all the more reason for us to honor them in different ways mm -hmm. and to thank God for the kind of parents that we have had. Or even more to maybe be parents of those children that have had these situations. So that's when we become parents of these other people that their parents maybe have abandoned them or hurt them or whatever. So, um, you know, what do we do about those parents that are embarrassing? Either they are mentally or emotionally damaged in some way. At, at a certain point, all parents become embarrassing. You know, when we were teenagers, mm, yes. we were all embarrassed about our parents. Yeah, but about what about a parent who's addicted to alcohol or drugs yes. or maybe even steals from their children or um, is crude and rude. And, and we mentioned uh, the various types of abuses. What, you know, what do we do uh, about those things? Those are, I think, are, are very troubling in this, in this verse, you know, or potentially. So I think about that when I'm looking at um, the words of Jesus when he talks about how in his day and age, there were people that were religious and they were trying to get out of the fifth commandment and mm. to do that in a way that uh, uh, makes them seem like they're doing something virtuous in not honoring their parents. And he has in mind, Jesus has in mind when uh, an adult child uh, has parents and they are in need of care and the religious serious will say to them, well, anything that you would have gotten from me, mom and dad, I'm going to give to God. Mm. It'll be Korban instead. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, that, that doesn't make sense at all. You're, you're hypocrites. 
and then quotes from the prophet Isaiah, uh, that Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Mm. In other words, don't get so clever about uh, your use of the Bible that you use your cleverness to try to get out of obeying what God says is good and right. Mm. Yeah. You know, Lynn had talked uh, about some of the more difficult teachings of Jesus, and uh, one she used, uh, I don't know if you have in your notes, but but it's the occasion where Mary and his siblings come, and and he says um, something that seems pretty harsh, that that we are not to be, uh, basically says, my, my mother and my brothers are the ones that do um, my will, right? Yes, uh, right at the point where he's teaching a lot of people around him and they want to interrupt the teaching and say, hey, don't you think you should stop teaching now and, and go be with your family? And then he says, you know, trying to, to phrase it, the expanding nature of his family just as you were talking about the expanding nature that uh, we uh, experience uh, people come into our lives that are as close as family. Yeah, and another text that was, and Lynn did mention this one, which was, it's, it seems quite harsh too. Um, he's uh, talking about this in Matthew uh, 10, 34 through 39. He says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Right. We had talked about that very passage, I think, in our first podcast when we talked about what does it mean to, to uh, worship God exclusively. Mm. Um, and remember, Pastor Lynn began her, her sermon talking about, uh, was it Anne Lamont that had written yes. about, uh, in some ways, uh, her parents were her first God, or her father was. Father it? was, yes. Right. And I think that's the point that Jesus is making there. You, you've got to love God above all else, with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And if you try to live that out, that's going to cause divisions in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are just not going to understand that at all. Some of your family members, they're, they're going to think you're nuts. Right. Uh, so uh, Jesus uh, called to us to follow him, uh, the call to live the life of the kingdom, the life of goodness and grace, uh, that will cause divisions and still causes divisions. Yeah, this is where the relationships in the family are radically subordinate to God. So it's God first, family second, and then church third. That's yes. kind of how we have to order things. That's right. And it's and on the face, I think these things seem harsh, but you have to think about the context of the teaching. He was teaching others, too, to understand this subordinate relationship mm-hmm. um, that they would have. So a family, if you will, is bound by blood, right? We are, we are related by blood, our ancestry, um, but the family of God is really 
also united by the blood of Christ. Yes, and we see that dramatically in the image of Christ on the cross, and then he calls out to the disciple John and to his mother Mary, and he says to Mary, Behold your son, and to John, Behold your mother. In other words, I'm dying now, so John, be a son to my mom. Mm -hmm. And uh, mom, understand John, I'll take care of you from now on. Right. So Lynn did talk about that one in her sermon yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have been looking at each week um, some of these uh, commandments in respect to the the tenets of the eco denomination, and we've also been looking at some of the confessional standards, the Heidelberg Catechism and the Westminster Confession. Did you find anything this week, Bruce, that would be enlightening? I did, and uh, in these confessional documents we have, that are part of ECO's uh, confessional standards, we see this uh, movement like we saw in the book of Romans, where you take honoring father and mothers, but you start to think, well, who else should I be honoring? Who else should I be showing respect? So in the ECO confessional standards, when it comes to summarizing the fifth commandment and how that may guide us in our lives now. It says, give honor towards those set in authority over us and practice mutual submission within the community of the church. So it doesn't really even mention father and mother. It's taken a very broad Mm -hmm. uh, view of that. And you can compare that with the Heidelberg Catechism where it says, what does God require in the fifth commandment? And then it begins with father and mother and then from that expands. Uh, the answer in the Heidelberg uh, Catechism, and this is an answer to question 104. I must show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all who are set in authority over me. I must submit myself with respectful obedience to all their careful instruction and discipline, and that I also bear patiently their failures since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. In other words, parents are imperfect. That's not uh, an excuse not to honor your parents. Hmm. Uh, There's a Latin phrase in translation is, abuse does not negate use. Just because you've got somebody that did something wrong doesn't mean that the the principle overall is a bad principle. And the Westminster Larger Catechism, remember that's the part of the Westminster Divines uh, that are meant to instruct adults. In the answer to what's the summary of the Ten Commandments, it says the sum of the Ten Commandments, or the sum of the Six Commandments, the last Six Commandments, which contain our duty to other people, is to love our neighbor as ourselves and to do to others what we would have them do to us. In other words, the Golden rule. The golden rule and uh, the second of the two great commandments of Christ. Well, and I think that is a good um, and important point because how we as fathers and mothers and or sons and daughters, um, how we treat is is viewed by our our children. So how I treat my mom and dad is viewed by my children 
And so if I treat my parents well and or my new um, adopted parents, my my mother-in-law and my father-in-law well, that is going to teach my kids and they will in turn hopefully do that for me. They'll care for me and Shelly when we get a little older too. There's payback. Yeah, I think it's very, um, very important. Um, yeah, we just spent time with grandchildren. We saw payback in the other uh, way when we see our own children having to deal with uh, behaviors in our grandchildren. And we say, boy, that reminds us of our own children when they were that age. And we had to deal with it then, and now they have to deal with uh, some disciplinary issues. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and I, I, I know you enjoy your time with your grandchildren, and we enjoy our time with our, our granddaughter. I'm happy that our kids live so close and and we have these chances to, you know, family is very important to us. And, yeah, family's precious. And yeah. and a, I'm sure that when you guys have a chance to, to visit your your daughter in Texas, that's a rich time for you. And it's delightful to have a daughter here in the Valley that we get to see very often. Yeah. And sometimes watch their their dogs, our grand dogs. Yes. <laughs> we do that. So we have... Um, as kind of our regular feature. Oh, wait, we're wait. almost forgetting archaeology. Oh, archaeology. I didn't know we had an archaeology. I missed that in the notes. Well, you know, what are you going to find in archaeology that talks about the Fifth Commandment? Because archaeology is a study of the of, of physical remains of a culture. Mm. So what will you find in uh, a physical remains, an archaeological dig, that would talk about honoring your parents? And then I remembered uh, an inscription that we found in Jerusalem because an inscription where it talks about multi, uh, generation, multiple generations uh, and how uh, one person tried to honor his father and grandfather. We have such an inscription that was found in Jerusalem. It was an inscription designed to be attached to the wall of a synagogue. Mm. So this is an inscription called the Theodotus inscription because it's uh, paid for by a man called Theodotus. And here's the, the inscription. It was in Greek, but here it is in translation in English. Theodotus, son of Atenos, priest and head of the synagogue, son of a head of a synagogue, and grandson of a head of a synagogue, built the synagogue for reading of the law and for the teaching of the commandments, as well as the guest room, the chambers, and the water fittings, as an inn for those in need from abroad, synagogue which his fathers founded with the elders and the Simeonides. So here's a man who was the head of a synagogue, his uh, same synagogue his father had uh, been the head of and his grandfather. Mm. And so he mentions all of those three generations and he says, so I'm now I'm rebuilding it and it's going to be a place where it will be blessing to other people that are coming from out of town, have no place to stay, want to worship in Jerusalem, want to be part of a synagogue here for a time. I'm going to do all that so that that becomes possible. It becomes a monument for him and his father and his grandfather. It's a way for him to honor uh, uh, those that came before him. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Really good find. So not, not a perfect representation of the Fifth Commandment, but it's the best I could find in archaeology. Right, right. Well, that's good. Well, are we ready for our C.S. Lewis quote? Yes, our okay. C.S. Lewis quote comes again from his book, The Four Loves, where he's talking about 
honoring our parents and loving our parents and loving in a family. And he takes an unusual tact, as Lewis often does. He writes, we hear a great deal about the rudeness of the rising generation. I'm an oldster myself and might be expected to take the oldster's side. But in fact, I've been far more impressed by the bad manners of parents to children than those of children to parents. Who has not been embarrassed of the embarrassed guest at a family meal where the father or mother treat their grown-up offspring with an incivility which offered to any other young people would simply have terminated the acquaintance. Dogmatic assertions of matters which the children understand and their elders don't, ruthless interruptions, flat contradictions, ridicule of things the young take seriously, sometimes of their religion, insulting references to their friends, all provide an easy answer to the question, why are they always out? Why do they like every house better than their house? Who does not prefer civility to barbarism? Hmm. So pretty um, tough line. And as Lewis writes that, uh, I'm reminded of the fact that he had a very difficult relationship with his father, yes, his own father, uh, who was just devastated when uh, his, his wife, C.S. Lewis's mother, died. He was, was about 10 years old at the time, and his father never really recovered from that. And it really was a very strained relationship between Lewis and his father from that point on. Mm -hmm. And yet when his father was dying, it was C.S. Lewis rather than his older brother that came back to Ireland, made sure that he was okay. And uh, at the time, his older brother was finishing up his career in the British Army and decided, I'm going to go home the long way and took a trip all around the world. And I came back months after uh, their father had died. Mm. So C.S. Lewis tried to become a better son as he grew older, which means there's hope for all of us. We can uh, even now become better sons, better daughters, and try to honor our parents in mm. different ways. Yes. And we also have, besides a C.S. Lewis quote, a quote from our Reform heritage. And I had to go with Calvin again. Oh, he's, he's Brother pretty Calvin. Solid. He's pretty solid on these Ten Commandments. Yes, he is. He said in this, in, in, uh, in relation to this one, he said, it ought to be observed, by the way, that we are ordered to obey parents only in the Lord. Hence, if they instigate us to transgress the law, they deserve not to be regarded as parents, but as strangers attempting to seduce us from our obedience to our true father. The same holds in the case of rulers masters, and superiors of every description. Taking the, the commandment about honoring your parents, commandment number five, but it's going back to commandment number one. We really need to honor God above all things. Yeah, I think Calvin does a nice job of uh, taking the fullness of, the, of this commandment. He has the, the parents, but their, their responsibility is to be honoring and teaching their children. And if they are not honoring, um, if they are, um, they're not, they really are not parents at all, right? Um, and so that, I think, is um, kind of goes back to our earlier discussion that I think we're right. You know, Lynn mentioned that we should pray for them. 
um, that yes. you know we can do all we can to to reconcile and and build that relationship, but some some of these things are just beyond repair, and uh, and so they I think have shirked, if that's the right word, um, they have abandoned their post as parents. So again, sometimes the way the best way that we can honor our father and our mother is to forgive them. Yes. And there's the admonition in the same um, chapter of the New Testament where it talks about honor, uh, children obey your parents in the Lord. That's in verse 1 of Ephesians 6. Verse 4 of Ephesians 6 is, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Yes. Instead, instead bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the fifth commandment goes the actions of children to parents and the action of parents to children. But I think people that have been subject to abuse, we need to give them good counsel to avoid being re-injured. Yes. You know, there, there are times when, you know, the best thing is to, to if it's a dangerous situation, to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. And uh, But we still can honor uh, them in trying to reconcile and and I think we just how we handle all of that is is very it's sometimes very difficult in that child parent relationship and we as friends of uh, people that have had really really horrible uh, childhood experiences we can just be with them and sometimes just to listen mm. to hear their story that's important sure Definitely. Um, and of course, the words of Jesus on the cross, uh, forgiving, forgiving those who are tormenting him, uh, it's very powerful. You know, there, there's a freedom in forgiveness. It can be found no other way. Um, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Mm. Uh, we need to support one another as we try to follow the path of Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well, this this has been uh, a good podcast, but a tough one, a tough yeah, subject as we get sure. into the, the variety of experiences we've had with uh, parents. Uh, Kirk, would, would you bring this to a close with a prayer? Sure. Let us pray. Lord, uh, we recognize that um, you do have agents that have re- a responsibility to be parents to us, and and we recognize that our biological parents, in many cases, have been uh, wonderful parents, but in sometimes, uh, in some cases, not so much. And so we pray for all those that have had difficult and challenging relationships with their parents, and we pray that they would find others who have maybe stepped up to be parents to them, and we pray that they would be healed and that they would be able to forgive those parents and their shortcomings. And Lord, uh, we pray for us as we continue to go through these challenging words of yours, but also look at how they are related to not only our relationship with you and, and our love for you, but also how they impact our neighbor. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
Thank you.